episode 172, Jessica Jones, season 1, episodes 11 and 12, aka I've Got the Blues and aka Take a Bloody Number. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome back to Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here because, well... We had a little bit of a break with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and we decided to use that break to finish up our coverage of Jessica Jones from Netflix. And so if you joined us last episode, you uh, you heard um, Agent Samantha and I talking about the, the last two episodes. And then we're going to cover two episodes in this podcast episode. And then next podcast episode, we will be covering the finale from Jessica Jones season one and i do want to once again thank agent samantha for joining us and for her vulnerability and also her insight and um also i did want to make mention something that she had sent me a message afterward uh she wanted to make sure people knew that um one of the things that she was able to do that she was very grateful of when she was coming out of the situation she came out of was she had friends and family who helped her and were very helpful. And so I want to make sure I pass that on because that is usually people's first line of defense is your friends and family. And as we know from Jessica Jones, friends and family, well, friends, well, yeah, Trish was both friends and family, uh, tend to get pushed away. And so uh, she wanted to make sure that, that we knew that. Um, Unfortunately, the circumstances are not allowing her to return for these two episodes. Uh, Welcome to level seven. I was hoping to have her return for at least one. So instead, um, Agent Stewart will be joining us for this episode. And I've lined up someone else, um, I think, for next. And and we'll see what happens with that. But yes, Agent Stewart is going to be joining us. He's a familiar voice. You've heard him before on Welcome to Level 7. And speaking of familiar voices... I'm just going to jump to it. I'm just going to go ahead and play the sounder and we are going to jump to it and get into our, I don't remember what it's called. (laughs) My brain. Let's see. Oh, the preliminary investigations. That's where Daniel butcher and I called in after watching each Netflix episode. The first time we watched it through so we could get our immediate reaction. And then this episode, the conversation with Stuart will be our not so immediate reaction. Um, I was looking at the release dates of Jessica Jones. Full disclosure, we are recording this the week of November 20th in 2016. Jessica Jones was released the week of November 20th. No, not the week, the day, November 20th in 2015. It has been a year. It's been a year since those episodes of Jessica Jones dropped And now we are just now finishing up our coverage this week. What can I say? You know, life happens, as I've said before, as we've all said before. Fortunately, even though life has happened and has pulled Daniel away uh, from the podcasting 
chair. He has not pulled away from the viewing of the MCU chair, nor has he pulled away from the um, examination chair. Let's put it that way, because we have phone calls, one from past Ben, my nemesis, the other from past Daniel, my friend. And so I'm going to play the sounder and we're going to get to those calls right away. Preliminary investigation. So I've explained how this works. I'm just going to jump right to it. Uh, we're going to get the past impressions of myself and Daniel. And I think last time we started with Daniel. So this time we're going to start with past Ben. So here we go. Without any further ado, me from almost a year ago after watching Jessica Jones, a.k.a. I've Got the Blues. Boom. That's what I got to say about this episode. Actually, no, not not boom. Uh, we need something with more flair. Um, crack a boom. Yeah, yeah. Future Ben, I give you permission to stop using boom and just start using some Kirby sound effects, okay? Uh, and go ahead and start it before this voicemail gets played. But when this voicemail gets played, this is the beginning of it. And then people will see the origin. It'll be just like, you know, I don't know, Jessica Jones and, and Netflix, where they, you know, something starts out at the beginning and then toward the end of the run, you start to find out where did that thing come from? And so, yeah, episode 11, I've got the blues. Uh, wow. So Malcolm, uh, that guy, he's one of the good guys. I mean, there aren't a lot of good people and he's one and oh, poor guy. And now he's pushed into, you know, doing what he's doing, putting his head down, moving on. Um, and then, and then you have, uh, what, uh, what's her name? Uh, Trisha. Uh, who also one of the good ones, you know, she's, she's no Foggy Nelson. Let's just throw that out there right now. She's no Foggy Nelson, but she's good. And she's getting pushed into things that she, she doesn't want to get pushed into. Uh, I mean, there aren't a lot of likable people on the screen. It's intentional. I mean, even Jessica Jones isn't supposed to be likable. She's, she's mean. <laughs> she's drunk. Um, She's abrasive on purpose, but yeah, I mean, it, it serves its purpose, but that does make it a little harder to watch sometimes. And, but now, you know, I love the assassination attempt on Luke, uh, where he just walks out of it like, whoops, whoops, that happened. And yeah, so yeah, I've got the blues. And Trisha does her thing, she gets involved in the action. And, now we're moving on. I mean, we've got two more episodes left. And what's going to happen? I don't know, because some of the stuff that was happening with Kilgrave in the middle of this series, in the room, I thought it was going to be happening. That kind of thing is going to be happening here. When I'm seeing it unfold in the middle, I'm thinking, what's going on? What are they going to do? Are they going to have to pad this out? Well, no. It's a 13-hour movie. This is episode 11. We're looking at the beginning of Act 3 right here. Um, actually, maybe, no. Episode 10 was the beginning of Act 3, as far as that three-act structure. So... Yeah, minus reaction. It's more of the same, but the same is good. But the same is rough. It is hard. That is all. Talk to you later, future Ben. Talk to you later, future Daniel. And until next time, 
Until next time when the phone call gets cut off because we only allow three-minute hour, three minute messages on Google Voice. I shouldn't say we only allow it. That's what gets allowed on Google Voice. By the way, if anyone does call in to our, our hotline, um, just if you get that three-minute mark, we will put your messages together if you want to do a second one we'll let you do that and sometimes we even do that for ourselves we let past ben and past daniel do that speaking of past ben i am so sorry past ben uh i crack a crack a thum just didn't enter the uh, welcome to level seven vocabulary so we didn't really see it start um yeah that's one of the problems of taking so long to get around to doing these episodes a year oh my goodness past ben if you only knew if you only knew but how could you know you can't so let's move on to past daniel's uh initial immediate reaction to this episode i'm just saying simpson i need to give relationship advice about being blue and here's the thing you can wine and dine a lady. You can get her a steak. You can get her a little cheesecake. But at the end of the day, what a girl really needs that says, I love you, is a blue pill. Come on. Give your girl a blue pill. I got a hard time believing. Just give her a blue pill. That's how you say I love you. I'm tense. I'm tense. I'm tense. Because, you know, whatever doesn't kill you just makes you strange. I'm stressed. Tense. You know what it means? It means we're coming to the conclusion of Jessica Jones. Because things are ramping up. Ramping up. And I am all... I'm all turned inside out. Simpson, not a great guy. Just saying it. You're like the Matt Parkman of, of Jessica Jones. So, all right, well, I got to go. I got to go because I'm tense and a hot mess. Peace out later. Bye. Okay, well, let's turn our attention then to the, uh, the next episode, Take a Bloody Number. And we'll go again, starting with past Ben and then going to past Daniel. It is fun to listen to our our immediate responses to these episodes, especially after um, then re-watching the episode and, and thinking about it after a rewatch. So, yeah, here's me from the past. Past Ben, take it away after I click go. Okay, future Ben. Okay, Daniel. I don't have a lot of time. I need to get this out. And I know when <clears throat> other people call in, uh, you and they take more than one voicemail to say what they have to say you would take it and stitch it together and make it sound all nice. I know you're not going to do that with me because I'm past then. You don't care. You want to talk about your own future stuff instead of the past stuff right here. But I'm here to talk about the past stuff. And what's the past stuff? It's this emotional reaction to this episode. This episode is episode 11. No, episode 12. Oh, uh, I don't know the number. <sighs> it's a bloody number. Oh, it's episode 12. Take a bloody number. Okay, so uh, let me just walk you through my emotions. Uh, at the beginning, Luke Cage, he made me want to cry. I am not kidding. Sweet Christmas, Luke Cage made me want to cry. I had a little bit of a teary-eyed feeling in my eyes. No tears actually came out. Uh, a little bit of a lump in my throat. Uh, then the 
pruning shears made me want to vomit. Yeah, that was really gross and really harsh and really hard to, to watch, uh, which is the point, I guess. Um, then the other thing uh, at the end, uh, they had me. I mean, I was right there with them. I had had these emotions, had these feelings. I'm hearing Luke Cage say, uh, I forgive you. And I'm going to keep saying that every day for as long as I need to. And I'm like, that is, that's what she needs to hear. Uh, she isn't going to accept it right now, but eventually she's going to hear it and hear it and hear it. And she's going to finally, uh, eventually believe it. And crack a thoom. There it is. Uh, he was being controlled by Kilgrey. Oh, what a horrible, horrible, horrible. I mean, as far as horror goes, um, that's, that's more horror than, than the pruning shears. Now the pruning shears made me want to vomit. This just made me, I, I was with her. I was with her as far as the emotions went. But the last thing I have to say, future Ben, it's all connected. That's what we keep saying about the MCU. Where is it all connected? I mean, other than that, that mention to Wilson in the hospital that you're going to talk about or that you've already talked about, uh, you've already talked about it as far as this recording being played, but as far as this recording being made, you haven't talked about it yet. Uh, there, there's no connection. I don't know where this fits in. I don't know when this fits in and, you know, all the lawyer stuff that's going on, but there's no Nelson and Murdoch. Uh, you know, it's just, it, it feels disconnected. It's a, it's its own thing way too much, I feel like. And maybe that's the, the right, the right impulse. Maybe that's the right way to go with it, but yeah. So anyway, emotional ride on this episode. And I have one more episode to go and we'll see where this takes us. But, yeah, I was horrified with Kilgrave, just like Jessica was. I wrote it. I scripted it. Whatever it is, he said. Okay. And thanks, Past Ben. Uh, nice nice job there trying to keep going with that crack a thum thing, you know? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like that kid in junior high who just tries too hard to set a trend. Sorry, Past Ben. I just don't think it's a trend. I mean, I love comic book sound effects but Krakathum I don't know maybe I could see myself doing that anyway uh, let's play Daniel past Daniel's message aka take a bloody number oh so much blood so tense Albert your hand lift your hand Albert lift it lift it carefully slowly Slowly is the hand of Albert. Yeah, to be honest, I, I, I've been trying to give boyfriend advice, and I really thought that Luke was doing a good job with his, with his inspirational speeches, his promises of forgiveness, his attempt to help healing occur. And then in the end, it's just Kilgrave. So who's the good boyfriend? Because I know it's not Kilgrave. He's evil, nasty, and mean. How about that Jessica slash Luke fight? That's a, that was two super titans going at it. And somebody's going to need to get some new drywall. Dinner the better. Cause it's easier to throw people through it. But anyway, wow. Uh, people listen to Jessica when she says run, run, just run. She says run, you gotta run, gotta run, 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 run. All right. At me, or is, is it even possible for this show to get even more intense? Because I am 
as the word says, as the man said last time he called, tense. Peace out later. Bye. And there you have it. I just want to make note that the person whose eyeballs were almost sweating was me. And that proves that I have a heart, not Daniel or more than him. Anyway, uh, I'm the one who had emotions, emotions that gave me a lump in my throat a year ago. This time around, it was just kind of infuriating, but we're going to get to that. Me and Agent Stewart right about now. Surveillance report. Okay, so we're back and I am back with that familiar voice that I promised earlier. And that's Agent Stewart. Woo! Agent Stu from the UP. From the UP. Hey. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Not the UPA, which we've said before. We've made yes. a joke already. We are here to talk about uh, Jessica Jones. Yeah. And we're once again talking about two episodes of Jessica Jones. And those episodes are, I've lost my notes. Here they are. AKA I've got the blues and AKA take a bloody number episodes 11 and 12 of Jessica Jones, also known as Jessica Jones get, gets beat up by two really strong dudes. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, and both episodes, very difficult to watch. I think very difficult to watch is now the catchphrase for Jessica Jones for, on welcome to Level seven. <laughs> very much so. Very much. So, I mean, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's also the most superhero-y that we get uh, with with the, both of the these really just fist fights. And it's, yeah, she goes up against uh, Will Simpson and she goes up against Luke Cage. Now, as usual, the spoiler alert is for anything on Netflix that has come before or during these two episodes. So... We are not going to talk spoilers about Daredevil season two or Luke Cage, uh, even though we've already seen those. And yes, uh, yeah, yeah. And as as I've already said, it's I didn't realize until recording for this episode, but it's been a year since these these Jessica Jones episodes dropped. And yeah, so those past Ben calls are really, really past Ben. Although Daniel's calls might have been from like last week. I don't know. Yeah, well. <laughs> I just, I'm so glad that we, we did that because I, no matter who I podcast about Luke Cage or no matter who I podcast with about Daredevil season two, uh, Daniel gets, he's in his, yeah. he gets to to chime in on it. I'm so glad we, we did it that way. And and actually, there's some you called in on some Luke Cage episodes, correct? I did. Yeah, yeah. So I did we give that option to uh, to hosts if if they're around when the the stuff is happening? So yeah, right. Okay, so I guess we should we'll take one episode at a time because while they both have similar uh, endings people beating up Jessica Jones and a friend of hers going to the hospital. <laughs> uh, we, they both have similar endings, but they are very different in the beginnings. So we are coming off of AKA a thousand cuts. Uh, Wendy is dead. And 
uh, that's that's bad. And uh, Kilgrave is gone, and Hope is dead. It's a mess. It's a great big mess. And so we come in. Let's see where are my notes go. Here they are. Um, let's see which one's first here. I've got the blues. I've got the blues, got the blues. is the flashback episode. Uh, we get flashbacks. Uh, let's talk about those first because this is where we see Dorothy, uh, Patsy, Trish Walker's mother. Uh, she basically adopts Jessica to get good publicity for Trish because yeah. Trish is on a show called It's Patsy where she's the really, you know, uh, perfect young lady and just, you know, the, the role model for children around the world on a Disney channel kind of thing. But she's getting in the headlines for not being so role model-y. <laughs> and kind of like Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus. What? Yeah. Are, are you serious that there's, wow, interesting. It's it's huh. interesting how that works. Funny yeah. how how art imitates life like that, or is it the other way it around? Is, it, it's hard to tell in this crazy <laughs> Hollywood world mixed up that we live in. It, yeah, yeah. So they bring her into the house, and we see that Trish was also uh, Trish is abused by her mother. Basically, it's it's not necessarily a physical abuse, although there is some elements of that. Uh, it's absolutely an emotional abuse. Uh, she forces her to puke. Yeah. You know, after eating pizza and, you know, Jessica is living there out of the kindness of their hearts because they wanted good publicity. And Jessica, then she's learning about her powers, discovering her powers, but Trish also discovers Jessica power, Jessica's powers. And then Jessica becomes Trish's defender. And, and becomes a, a buffer between Dorothy and Trish. But not not easily either. It's not like Trisha was like, hey, let's do this. She flat out told Jessica, do not save me. Yeah. Yeah. Which, <laughs> um, and that's something that carries out into the rest of the rest of this, you know, episode, at least in the series at large. Well, yeah. I mean, Jessica is constantly telling Trish. Don't save me. You know, mm-hmm. and, and pushing Trish away as much as Trish wants to help Jessica and, and, you know, their friendship. I, I'm glad that we could see the, the genesis of their friendship mm-hmm. here and their friendship in general is a great TV friendship. You know, it's, it's one of those that I put up there with like a Kirk Spock kind of thing, or I guess Kirk Spock McCoy, uh, where just that friendship it develops over episodes and you get to see it happening and, and you see them together. The, the difference is with like, you know, Kirk and Spock and, and McCoy, that's static. That doesn't really change much until we get into the movies where they actually do some, some arc growth mm. for them. Um, but with, with uh, Jessica Jones and, and Trish, we see them, you know, we've, we see their, the beginning we see them hanging out as friends before the series starts. And then when the series starts, they're not really 
friends, you know, they're, they're kind of reconnecting and, and coming back together. And, and then by the end, which we're not going to talk about, but by the end, their, their friendship is, is a stronger thing. So, <clears throat> well, and, and their friendship is rocky. It's, it's not, it's not everybody's happy all the time. I mean, they both get mad at each other all the time and they're both jerks to each other all the time. <laughs> so their friendship is sort of this, it's almost, I, I hate you, but I love you, but I love you, but I hate you. <laughs> you know, I can't live with you and I can't shoot you. It's yeah, one of yeah, those but it's, things, right? And part of that becomes, I mean, she, Jessica's adopted in into the family, mm-hmm. so they're sisters, and mm, you know it's yeah. it's that kind of thing where actually the phrase I'm about to use doesn't really work where the, you can't choose your family. Um, <laughs> with the, that's one of the great things about adoption is that your family has chosen you. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, although maybe not in this situation, but uh, that is one of the cool things with with adoption where you can say, you know, those kids were born into the family; they had no choice, but we chose to bring you into our family and we wanted to bring you in particular. Uh, so with well, Jessica, Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, Jessica didn't necessarily choose that. No. She kind of got chosen. And then, well, I don't really have any other place to go. So I might as well stick it out. At least I have a roof over my head. Well, and that's what I'm saying is my friends who I've seen go through adoption. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had a friend who they, they had their names in and, and they had a, a, a child come up for adoption who, who fit some of the criteria that they were looking for as far as um, wanting to help out someone who needed help um, and carried the baby, you know, full term, but that really needed help t- to take care of the child. And they drove across three states to go to the hospital while the child was being born. I mean, they, they chose that child, you know, and, that is what's happening here is they chose Jessica for the publicity, not, yeah. not out of a, a sense of, um, I don't know the words that I want to use here because it's not, it wasn't a sense of duty for them. It was a sense of, you know, this is, we, we want to help people. You know, we, we want to help out a mother who's struggling. We want to help out a child who needs a family. And, you know, they, they're doing it for that reason. Jessica, no, they, <laughs> It's so that our daughter yeah. doesn't look bad because she's awful. <laughs> you know? Well, and even in the, like, even when Jessica first wakes up, she hears Dorothy played masterfully by Rebecca De Mornay, which I didn't even realize until I looked her up on IMDb. <laughs> um, which is George uh, Costanza's crush, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's one but of those I names remember- that comes up on Seinfeld a lot. Right. I remember her from um, Hand That Rocks the Cradle, which was – it's an amazing it, – it's very creepy and an amazing performance by Rebecca De Mornay. Um, but anyway, so she's, 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 in the, uh, uh, she's in the coma waking up, and she hears Dorothy crassly tell her that her family's dead. I mean that's <laughs> – what a way to wake up from such a traumatic thing. And no wonder Jessica's kind of – peeved at, yeah. at life in the world and Dorothy's not a good person. No. Let I mean, me just she, put that on the table. Yeah, I mean she's one of those bad mothers who, yeah, she has some genuine love for her daughter, but is really poor at expressing it. 
and does really bad choices in the name of love. Maybe it, it just, it's and, a, that's a really hard motivation to ascribe to her. Cause I'm not sure it is love. I think maybe later when we see them in the now time, she might be doing some things for love, but I, I don't know. Well, things it's, can be done. Really hard to, things can be done in the name of love that aren't being done for love, for in, in actual love. You know, you can, mm. you can, you can trick yourself into thinking I'm doing the right thing for her because. But then there's also her career, Dorothy's career. It clearly, oh, yeah. clearly, Trish is helping her, helping Dorothy's career, and so bringing Jessica in is helping Trish's career, which will help Dorothy's career. It's all. Dorothy, I can't remember if we said this before or not, but Dorothy is basically a version of Kilgrave as far as manipulating and, you know, making people, you know, do the things. But, uh, you know, hmm. she I, that's she Kilgrave Hogarth. Uh, they're all examples of this kind of uh, I'm trying to to do things that look like love, but I'm doing them for my own reasons. I'm doing them for my motivation. I'm doing them for my gain. And, and here's the thing I've seen not in real life, uh, but in documentaries, things about like the, the, uh, the Hollywood mother. Oh yeah. Uh, And it's, it's not good. Um, Oh yeah. I, I lived in a, when I lived in Los Angeles, I lived I lived in a apartment complex that was used in certain seasons by people coming from all over the country for basically to, to try out to get agents. And there's kind of mm-hmm. this cattle call kind of thing. And there's there was a documentary about it on Netflix that my friend uh, he he sent me a message and said, "Hey, have you seen this? This is about that place where you lived." And <laughs> and so I'm watching it, and it's on one hand it's really weird because I'm seeing the places I hung out. And I'm seeing like the pool side and I'm seeing, you know, the, the, the rec room kind of stuff. And it's like, oh my goodness, this is so weird. And I'm wondering, is that, was that one of my apartments? You know, is that, is that where I stayed? And then on the other hand, you're just watching and all of these people just pinning their hopes on their children to pull them out of, you know, some of them pull them out of adject poverty and, and some of them, it's, you know, it's that career. And, and if it doesn't work out, then what will my child be able to do? you know, this is, this is their way toward, toward doing something productive or, you know, and it's just these awful motivations. And that's, that's what I see with Dorothy. So. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I've seen some, not, maybe not to this extent, but definitely mothers who are trying to relive the glory days through their children. I mean, that, that happens all the time, all the time. And especially in small towns where there's like several generations of mothers and, um, and children who like maybe have gone to the same high school. <laughs> I remember, and, and, yeah, I yeah. remember apologizing to my dad for not liking football. Um, <laughs> my dad was was all state in Michigan uh, high school football, and mm-hmm. I mean it was a big part of his life. And my baby pictures are me wearing like football shirts and stuff like that. And <laughs> and, uh, and I remember apologizing to him, and he's like, "Why are you apologizing to me? That is." <laughs> I, I don't care what you do. I mean, if you don't do football, that's fine. You don't have to do football. I'm like, but you love football. Yeah, I love football, but you don't. Why would, why would you want to go, go and try and play football? And, um, 
Yeah. And, so, and the difference between your dad and uh, Dorothy is that he was like, "That's cool," and <laughs> yeah. Dorothy's like, "No, no, no! I need you to do what I want you to do. Yeah. It's a control. It's a control thing." And I never, I never thought of Dorothy and Kilgrave and Hogarth being sort of the same in that manipulation aspect of things well, definitely with the control and then you can also throw simpson in there as well oh yeah yeah um, simpson I mean, is yeah well speaking of simpson let's let's talk about some of the real world present day stuff that's going on um Tr- trish uh trish is trying to get jessica to slow down but she won't and Jessica begins searching morgues to see if she can find any John Doe's that turn up who might be Kilgrave's father, because as you know, Kilgrave in the last episode disappeared and took his father with him. Mm-hmm. So she's expecting Kilgrave's father to show up dead. And she just keeps moving, keeps going. Trish tries to get her to stop. Trish, Trish basically says, look, I got to go to bed. So do you. I'm going to bed. And Jessica's mm-hmm. like, fine, you go, but I'm going to keep going. She goes all night round from morgue to morgue to morgue basically falls asleep while crossing the street thinking she sees Kilgrave gets hit by a truck doesn't even see the truck coming and meanwhile Simpson comes and he's trying to make things right with Trish sort of claims he's quit the whole Kozlov pill thing uh, but then some just a uh, Trish leaves him to help Jessica with her injuries and Jessica just, she can't stop. Gets another, gets some more information about another John Doe. And she goes again, even though she has like broken ribs and stuff. And, but this time the, the John Doe is Clemens and he is burned to death, not burned to death. He was shot in the head. He was burned to cover up the, the murder. And Jessica thinks Kilgrave has done it. And back at Trisha's place, Simpson shows up followed by some of Kozlov's men and they're trying to bring him back and he's saying, I'm done with that. And he then kills them, shoots them through the head right in front of Trish. Is that when Morpheus gave him the red pills? Yeah. Yeah. And so he's in the matrix now. Okay. Got it. Got it. I'm yeah. on. Okay. Go. Well, or is the red pill the one you take to believe the lie? I can never remember. I can never remember either. It's yeah. been, it's been more than a year since I've seen the matrix. <laughs> been more than a year since i've seen this the first time too so um jessica calls trish and simpson answers trish's phone and tells her that he has a lead on Kilgrave. trish is on the way but trish is not on the way no he's lying (laughs) she's like locked up in that gym room or whatever and simpson goes to jessica's place and they fight and jessica's hurt and so she can't fight as well, but Trish comes, slams a fire extinguisher into Simpson's head. And while Jessica's injuries slow her down, Trish takes one of Simpson's pills and speeds her up. And, oh, yeah. And she gets they, pumped. Yeah. Yeah. They, together uh, they beat up Simpson. Uh, but there's side effects like not being able to breathe and, you know, falling down and being unconscious kind of thing. And so Jessica calls an ambulance and goes with Trish to the hospital after they basically drop a refrigerator on, on Simpson. So no, um, <laughs> are we to believe that that killed him? Well, I don't know. I mean, Kozlov comes and gets Simpson. 
if we don't see his dead body, uh, oh yeah, I mean this this kind of situation, he could easily be brought brought back easily. Yes, easily. Uh, Malcolm, meanwhile, he's feeling adrift, and he has a conversation with Robin that really doesn't go well. Where she's basically saying, you know, no one can help anyone. Uh, the the whole team of people who were going to hang themselves at Kilgrave's word, uh, they cleaned up the restaurant and they were going to take care of things and, and basically lie. Um, but Robin wasn't, doesn't want to have that, but this conversation doesn't go well. And, and Malcolm was like, this can't be the way the world is. You know, the, if this is the way the world is, why, why even live in this world or whatever? But, um, at the hospital, Jessica gets a text from Kilgrave about her boyfriend, tells her to hurry to say goodbye. And she does. She gets there. And well, there's an explosion, right? Right. Yeah. And this is where you should put Daniel's boom in. Yeah. Because he, he blows up. But he doesn't blow up. But his bar well, sure no. does. His bar sure does. Yeah. Yeah. So that's this episode. And, you know, lots of stuff happening. I mean, the, the plot's moving. And I like, though, that we, we're still getting investigations and, and we're, we're mm-hmm. you know, looking for clues. And, uh, I mean, that's that's part of the Jessica Jones thing is she's she's a private investigator. She's a detective. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that they're doing that. Um Again, basically, this is Simpson, Simpson's episode, though. Um, I mean, he's the he's the bad guy for this particular episode. Right. More so than Kilgrave. And his whole motivation is, you know, I'm going to kill you right now because you are not going to kill Kilgrave. And Jessica's like, I am going to kill Kilgrave. And Simpson's like, no, I'm going to beat you up because you're not going to. And Jessica's this is the whole reason I'm doing things right now is to get him and kill him. And yeah. you could have done it so many times before. And yeah. and Robin confronts her about it, too. You're not going to kill him. You know, yeah, I am. Well, at what cost? And Jessica's like, well, whatever the cost is for me to get to him, it's less than what he would do. And so if I can stop him, I, you know, and a couple people die along the way, he would kill more if I don't get to him. Yeah. So. Some of the things I, I found very interesting about this was especially the number one thing was Malcolm's um, thing at the end where he basically takes on some agency and says, I am choosing to make the world a better place again, mm-hmm. which I thought was really uh, that's an important thing for people to do, much less characters to do. Um, and if you can have. You know, you're the storyteller. You tell me if you can have characters do that, you've you've bought them into the story, which is which is an incredible thing to do. Um, the other thing I really uh, attached to was um, <laughs> in she goes, I can only fight one big bad at a time. Yeah, and that's <laughs> definitely a Buffy reference. If you yeah. if you've seen some Buffy you know that that's a Buffy reference because they talk about fighting big bads all the time. Um, yeah. And that comes out of the, what is it? IGH is the, it's a private 
uh, research company. Right. Uh, and uh, that Kozlov works for. Right. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's, it's, it's the big evil corporation that Marvel comics is pretty, is pretty good about having. <laughs> um, they've, they've got a few of those. Um, and so the IGH, um, uh, is definitely involved in the Kozlov thing, um, and, and the Simpson, uh, trials. Um, the last thing that I attached to is the director and she, her name uh, very important. If you remember a few episodes ago of the welcome to level seven news, podcast we talked about how um jessica jones season two is going to be directed by all women well this episode is an example of that um the director is a is a woman named uta breisowitz and i am sorry i do not speak german very well um or at all really uh but she has directed and has been a cinematographer for a lot of stuff um if you read her IMD page, IMDb page, The Wire, Session 9, um, Arthur, the read the new one, not the old one, um, Hung, Ben and Kate, I mean, a bunch of stuff that is just visually very interesting, and this episode is no different. Um, so I'm hoping that this episode is kind of an example of what we'll see um, going into, into Season 2. If there is a season two, and I don't know that there is a season two yet. Well, there should be. I mean, they're talking about the the directors and stuff. Yeah. So it hasn't been announced Uh, as far as a date or anything like that, though. No, it hasn't been announced as far as a date. But yes. So those are those are some things that I pulled from this episode that I that I really attached to. Yeah. So then the other thing is um, Will Simpson, who is basically the MCU version of nuke who is a, a daredevil and captain America villain and a patriotic hero that takes pills and yeah, who was part of weapon plus not weapon X, but weapon plus. Well, cause weapon X is a different franchise, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, weapon plus, I mean, that's the, that's the Marvel thing. It's it's from Marvel Comics as Weapon Plus, but uh, it's tied into Weapon X. But yeah, I, yeah. So anyway, I, I do like that. You know this 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 battle basically is our our one and only real uh, knockdown dragout superhero battle between Jessica Jones and a supervillain because that mm-hmm. we do not get knockdown dragout against well i wasn't going to talk about the final episode but yeah no well it, but kilgrave is a different has, kind of villain right kilgrave has never knocked down dragged out fights fought anybody he has I other mean, people do reason, it for him right yeah kilgrave doesn't do that in fact the only way she could suppress him was to isolate him in that in that container with all the water and everything and so he doesn't knock down drag out fight at all Right. He doesn't have to at all. Because... No, he doesn't. He doesn't have to touch anybody. Um, and that's part of the problem is because she doesn't. She's immune to that. Yeah. And, and one thing I thought was interesting uh, from a storytelling perspective, 
Will Simpson comes under Kilgrave's power early on in the series, but not when he's a super powered guy. Like I kind of hmm. would have expected him to become, you know, a Kilgrave lackey with superpowers, but instead he becomes a super powered maniac control freak who wants to kill Kilgrave and, and kind of becomes a foil for Jessica Jones and Trish in that regard instead of, I mean, I mean, he kills Clemens because he's trying to get information on Kilgrave and he's coming after Jessica Jones because Jessica Jones is not doing enough to kill Kilgrave. And, you know, he, he wants to go after Kilgrave, but he never, I, I expected him be, to become uh, under Kilgrave's thrall as a super powered uh, weapon against Jessica Jones. So, And in some respects, I feel like that's a thing to make the season longer. And on other respects, I feel like that's a thing that's a clever storytelling device. It's hard to tell when you're watching it at that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope it's not a thing to make the season longer. And I hope it's a a storytelling device. Well, it gave it was a storytelling device because it gave Trish this person uh, in her life who, uh, like I said, I mean, he he comes and becomes very controlling to Trish. And, Mm. and and so it it gives that, it gives us a foil in their quest to get Kilgrave, but it's not the typical cliche foil. As far as Kilgrave has Will Simpson, superpowered maniac under his control. Instead, it's Will, Will Simpson is getting in the way because he wants to do things his way. And yeah. And Jessica's just getting it from all sides. Yeah, which is exactly. which is good for Kilgrave, not so hot for Jessica. It's good for Kilgrave and definitely fits the tone of the series. Right. So, uh, I don't know anything else about, um, I keep, I keep forgetting. I've got the blues. Shall we move yes. on to take a bloody number? Or... Before we do that, I want to point out because Daniel's not here. The, what I think is a pretty obvious reference to the um, Incredibles in the first, when Jessica is in the, uh, um, in the bathroom right before she breaks the sink, she has her black hair covering half of her face. She looks very much like Violet from the Incredibles. Okay, that's done. <laughs> Moving on. Very good. All right. So take a bloody number. We get a flashback. We see that Luke followed Jessica to the restaurant where Hope died. Luke sees Kilgrave, tells Kilgrave he's going to kill him, but Kilgrave takes him under his control, even as he's feeling a little bit jealous about Luke and Jessica's relationship. Uh, You can see the confusion on Luke's face because he does not Mm -hmm. believe in this guy and in his power. And suddenly he's told to get in the car and he is dead set on just smashing this guy's face, but cannot do a thing. And so he gets in the car. Right. So then we come back to the present and we have them in Jessica Jones apartment. And she's not sure if Luke is under Kilgrave's control or not, but um, he talks with her. I mean, he sounds like he's not, he says he's a fool for not believing her and he's helping her in her investigation. And, you know, so meanwhile, Kilgrave's dad is working on Kilgrave to make him more powerful than ever before. And they've gone to this apartment and um, 
it's it's bad news for everyone involved because his dad can't help but try to make Kilgrave more powerful. This <laughs> is again, right. it's, it's that face. You, you, the, the looks on the people's faces is what makes things so terrible. Right. Um, so Trish, uh, in the hospital is looking into Kozlov, finds out about IGH, a private research company, Jessica, not interested in that other big bad, uh, Dorothy visits the hospital and she brings some more information about IGH. Dun, dun, dun. They paid Jessica's hospital bills after her crash. Oh, there's something going on there that we're, not, yeah. we're promptly not going to come back to much. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, let's see. So then we get Luke and Jessica Jones doing the investigation thing. They go back to that motel room where Albert was staying. Stuff was left behind. There's a chemical that was left behind that leads them to a biochem lab where Kilgrave got some chemicals and so they stake out the place and they find someone who comes and he's the only person. And so they follow him. He puts pruning shears down his mouth and falls on them. And <laughs> that's kind of a dead end. Um, back at the apartment. Again, hard to watch. Yes. <laughs> Again, hard to watch. Oh man. That was one that, Oh, that was, that was brutal. Yeah. Cause you don't know what they're going to show. I mean, they can show almost anything and, are they going to just show it? Are they going to imply it? Are they gonna, Oh, they showed it. Okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Back at the apartment, Trish brings in some more information to Jessica Jones about IGH. And Jessica Jones gives Luke the flash drive that, the flash drive that Reva wanted Luke to see. And then they go to a club where Kilgrave told everyone to shut up at a party. It's empty there now, but Kilgrave is there and he's on stage and he has no power over Jessica, but he does over Luke and Luke had been under Kilgrave's power the entire time. Even when he had a nice soft moment with Jessica where he told her he forgives her for everything. Power man say it ain't so. Oh, and so then he's ordered to kill Jessica and we get another fight and this one is made even worse because it's not just someone who outpowers her. I mean, she, he is more powerful. Uh, he's got the invulnerable skin and he's strong, although she can fly, but not if he catches her by the foot and pulls her down. Mm -hmm. um, but it's they're friends. I mean, mm -hmm. they're, they're lovers. Well, they're, and, yeah, they're more than friends. They have a connection. Yeah, uh, this is bad. This is very bad. And so it ends, the battle ends with her getting a gun from a cop outside because the battle literally goes through walls and she ends up taking the gun and shooting him point blank in the throat when he yeah. won't stop. But he, he told, he told her you do what you got to do. Mm -hmm. And so she does what she got to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other, there's a, there's kind of a B plot with Malcolm and Robin. Um, Robin is at home and the f delivery man comes and she freaks out because he might be under Kilgrave's control and he might be coming after her and Malcolm helps bring her down. And then they have a moment of a, a really nice moment where he takes her to where he disposed of the body and they have that kind of moment of silence kind of thing. And there's a, it's a nice moment with more, with more forgiveness. So that's the episode. 
Did did you catch the connection to the most recent episode of Agents of Shield? I did not catch a connection to the most recent episode of Agents of Shield. Well, okay. To be fair, it's not something like plot. Okay. Um, they actually shared the same director. Oh. This huh. this the director Billy Gearhart um, also directed uh, the Good Samaritan, which was the most recent episode of Agents of Shield. I did not catch that. Well, I, I didn't either until I looked it up. But there but it is. You looked it up and caught it. So yeah, 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 yeah. So, oh, man, again, not easy to watch, but and, in a much and, different way this time. Oh yeah, I this mean, was it's... not easy to watch because it was really horror slash comic book violence. Yes, and and much less the. I mean, there definitely was manipulation going on that we can talk about, but uh, it was a lot more. This is horrible, awful, terrible, no good, very bad, and and, and much less. You know, he's controlling and manipulating people into doing things that make you feel icky. This just mm-hmm. makes you feel scared. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Ugh. This I, I felt this one had a maybe a a little bit more humor, but you know from like zero to one. Um, <laughs> the the scene when she when they walk in, do I need to worry? Do I need to know what happened here? Nope. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was pretty. <laughs> and once again, her window's broken. Oh, <laughs> that's right. We were keeping track of the broken windows in every episode. Oh. Let's not pick that back up again. <laughs> well, it's kind of not happening now. I mean, yeah. but yeah, her, but that, her that's still is... a motif. Yeah, yeah, it's still a motif, and it 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 seems to happen when she's sort of down. You know, when when she's getting up and getting going, her window's fine. But when she's you know been beat down, her window is beat down as well. Yeah, yeah, but the previous episode, um, the big broken window for me in that one was in Luke Cage's bar, right? Oh, yeah. Because doesn't he shut the window when he sees her? And then a big explosion takes out the window. Yeah. Sweet Christmas. (laughs) Yeah, so let's see here. The big thing to talk about in this episode, I think, is forgiveness. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of talk about blame. There's a lot of talk about guilt. And there's a lot of talk about taking responsibility in all these other episodes. But this one really touches on forgiveness. And the unfortunate thing is the one moment of forgiveness that we get, which is Luke Cage talking to Jessica Jones under Kilgrave's power. Probably. Mm -hmm. There is still the possibility that Luke Cage is not under his power at that moment. And then, but no, because I mean, Kilgrave tells it, it, during the fight, Kilgrave is on the microphone and is shouting out all this stuff about he all, you know, all the tender moments you had with Luke Cage since you guys got back together after the bar blew up. Uh, those were scripted by me. I am Cyrano de Bergiac to you and to, to Luke Cage. And so all those tender moments were my tender moments with you, not Luke Cage's tender moments with you. And that speech about forgiveness, 
I wrote that speech. And that kills me because it's a beautiful speech. Uh, I mean, well, maybe not a beautiful speech, but it's a, it's a tender, beautiful moment where he says, I should have never blamed you about Riva uh, and for her death. And now that I've experienced what, what you were the control you were under when, when you killed Riva and I forgive you for everything else. And I will forgive you every day. I'll say it every day if I have to. What a moment. Yeah. And it's stolen. Well, I'm going to ask a few questions to make sure that it it actually was. Um, Because I'm not so sure. The main reason being, um, Kilgrave's never lied before. So how can we trust anything that he says? Um, that's number one. And that really wasn't a question. Number two. Yeah, that wasn't a question at all, but yeah, but continue. There, yes, was, go. No, there was no question mark at the end. I apologize. <laughs> um, number two was, uh, okay. So how did, isn't there a time limit on Kilgrave's powers? 12 hours, 12 hours. So he was away from Kilgrave for 14 hours or 15 or something like that. Right. Possibly. Oh, I see what you're saying. It could have been that he was saying that he was away for 12 hours, but not actually. I mean, there's there's a lot of different possibilities. And one possibility is that uh, that moment was still in the 12-hour block. Mm-hmm. And that after that moment, he came out of the control. But... <sighs> then don't you think he possibly would have revealed like he came out of control and says, wait, wait, wait. Okay. Jessica, everything that just happened for the last 12 hours. I didn't want to do I did it cause I had to, but then see the one possibility, the one way it could happen that that speech was not under Kilgrave's power is you see Kilgrave knew the speech. He knew the line about if I have to say, uh, you know, I'll, I'll forgive you every day if I, ha- if I can or something like that. Kilgrave knows the line, quotes the line. Was there time when they come into the, the, the party place the, the, where the rave was, was there time for Kilgrave to get the line from Luke Cage? So, okay, Luke Cage, tell me everything that you did. And, and tell me the nice, the nicest thing you said to her so I can use that against. And I don't think there's time. I think that that was under Kilgrave's control. Mm. And it, and what I hate about it is that it's a very Luke Cage thing to say, like, especially now that we've seen his series, but even now, just in the Jessica Jones series, we've seen, he is a good guy. He's, he's a, a good man. He's a genuinely good man with a good heart. And that is the kind of thing that I would expect him to say, to say, you know what? I was wrong. And wow, I hurt you. Uh, and I shouldn't have blamed you. And I, you know, all the stuff that we've had going on between us, you know, I forgive you for those things. And it's, uh, and and then the, you find out later, no, it was all Kilgrave. So brutal, 
gut punch to me. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone Jessica, but to me. Um, because forgiveness is powerful, man. Forgiveness is powerful. Yes. True forgiveness is powerful because true forgiveness is when you let go of control of the need for for justice. You know, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean you know if you forgive somebody, like someone has wronged you or is like constantly wronging you, you forgive them. It doesn't mean oh I forgive you, so keep on hurting me. That's not what it means, and a lot of people mistake that. But for true forgiveness is when you say, you know what, you owe me for something you've done to me, but I am not going to make that bill due. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's true forgiveness. And I would expect nothing less from Luke. You know, after time, he, he has to process and he has to think about things and experience Kilgrave and stuff like that. But you know, that's that's what I what I see in him. He's he's a He's a nice, good guy. And, and so when he says, I forgive you, I'm, I'm hearing him say, oh, I, I'm, I'm hearing the true forgiveness, but then no, no. Because if Kilgrave says to Jessica, I forgive you for all the things you've done to wrong me, A, she hasn't wronged him. <laughs> and B, no, he's lying. He's saying that to manipulate. Right. Um, and that is not forgiveness at all. And, and, and so... Yeah, I mean, forgiveness is when you say, I'm not going to hold on to this. I'm not going to become bitter against you. I'm going to um, let this thing between us go, even though it does mean the, the relationship may have changed between us. Um, you know, the whole fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, fool me three times, and shame on both of us big time, you know? Um, yeah. Well, the and. You know, words matter, and, that, and that's part of I think the the shining moment or the the thing in this series, especially with Kilgrave, is that words are powerful and they and they ha- they carry power with them. I mean, that's that's Kilgrave's power, right? There. Yeah, literally, words. yeah, 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 literally. Um, and it, it that is a that is an interesting thing. Um, especially in the climate that we're dealing with where um you have bullies who who take to social media or um wherever and and have no problem saying mean horrible things about people because it's all online it doesn't matter right um yeah yeah my the my detachment. daughter my daughter tonight just told me about some kids on the bus who were talking about how or they're using cuss words, swear words. And um, she is afraid. I, I loved this. She was afraid that it is going to rub off on her and she is going to start cursing. <laughs> and I and I looked at her and I said, honey, I love the fact that this is something that bothers you because words matter. It's not as easy anymore as your rubber rhyme glue, whatever you say, bounces off of me and sticks to you or whatever it is. Um, because now they're engraved in their digital bits, you know, etched in stone tablets mm-hmm. forever, you know. Yeah, yeah. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words, they do hurt. And they, they do. They absolutely do. Uh, um, yeah, and... <laughs> 
and you're, and you're right. I mean, with with Kilgrave, words literally are. I mean, it, metaphorically, maybe metaphorically, but literally in the context of the the show, are are his power and and what he uses to control and manipulate. But as powerful as negative words are, positive words are also powerful. It's mm-hmm. just the negative power lasts longer for some reason. Uh, for some reason, negative words last longer in our psyche. Well, and yeah. Just hang mm-hmm. on to that. Pain, pain lasts longer than healing. I mean, yeah. The 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 pleasure of a, a moment goes away. Pain sticks around. <laughs> So, but, but and that's kind of mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But here's here's the other moment of forgiveness, though, and that's Malcolm and Robin, mm-hmm. and and that is just a really sweet moment. I mean, Robin, she's weird. She's different. She freaks out. She's angry, and when weird and different people get angry, it comes out in ways that that looks more well, weird and different, you know, and, and, and so it becomes almost laughable and, but it's genuine. I mean, there are real people in the world who they, they get angry and, and you, you can almost laugh at them, but it doesn't, I mean, they, they have that, that anger and they have that pain and, you know, it's that truism and I've said it before and I'm going to say it again, probably, but hurting people hurt people you know, or, or hurt people, hurt people. And and she is a hurt person. And Malcolm reaches out to her and she's the one who said that, uh, no one can help anyone. Mm-hmm. And he does it. He reaches out to her. He takes her to the place where he <laughs> sunk her brother's body in the river. And, and there's more forgiveness there. And, it's a nice moment. And that one's genuine. That is not Kilgrave scripted. Mm-hmm. So it's also a moment between the two characters that we're not necessarily as the audience right in on, right? If it, it, it up in the middle of the business, if you know what I mean. I mean, the when when the moment of forgiveness takes place, the camera's way back. And they're having this moment and it's between those two people mm-hmm. and we're not even invited into that situation, yeah. which is, um, you know, that's a lot of film school talking, but, uh, it's true. You know, it's between those two people. We're not there. It's not us. Yeah. And I, I think again, it's just a, a really nice moment. And this is, you know, Jessica Jones is a personal show. It mm-hmm. is a personal show about people who it's about relationships. I mean, the primary, uh, the primary problem is relationships between people. And yes, sure. Batman and Joker, their primary problem is their relationship, but who cares about their relationship? (laughs) No one cares about their relationship. And so what do they have to do? Well, we better write Joker as the killer of Batman's parents. That'll give them a connection that people will care about. On a surface level, yes. But here we have the the relationship between Kilgrave and Jessica. The relationship between Jessica and Trish. Jessica and Luke Cage. Trish and Simpson. Um, all these things are all about relationships. And it's 
it makes it a much more powerful show in some ways than Dark Knight. <laughs> Which, <laughs> Dark Knight is great, but it's totally impersonal. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and one of the things that I think the MCU at large has done is made comic book characters, these character types, um, personable. I mean, even in Iron Man, that's the way dad did it. That's the way USA does it. That's the way we're going to do it. I mean, he invokes his father there. I mean, you can look at examples all through, what is it, 15 movies now? Yeah, yeah. Five series where it's all about real human beings having real emotions. Oh, by the way, this guy can also fly. Um, Well, and that's what Civil War was. Yeah. I mean, Civil War was these characters that we have grown to like and mm-hmm. they're pitted against each other. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we get with Jessica Jones. We get 13 hours with Jessica Jones getting into her psyche. And even though she's not someone I would want to hang out with, uh, after 13 hours, she's someone I can really uh, feel like I, I can empathize with and I can mm-hmm. understand and I want her to succeed because of the pain, you know, that when you, once you start empathizing with someone and they become more, more real. Um, and this, this is true, not just watching a show, but unfortunately for m- many people, maybe it is only in watching a show, but, um, but you know, it, it's like, uh, it, it's like, uh, Ender's game where they talk about getting to know your enemy. And when you know someone, you love them, you know, and uh, that's, that's what's going on here. I, again, I don't want to hang out with Jessica Jones. I have a hard enough time with negative thoughts on my own. I am Eeyore, you know, when it, when Mm -hmm. it comes to like, you know, life stuff, you know, I'm, I'm the one who's like, well, there might be a silver lining there, but there's always going to be a cloud. You know, that's, that's me. Um, and so, yeah. And Jessica Jones wouldn't want to hang out with me anyway. You know, let, let, let's face facts. You Jessica know? Jones doesn't want to hang out with anybody. Exactly. Exactly. To be honest, she wants to hang out like with her whiskey bottle. Well, right now. Well, in, in the finale, we'll talk about how she's changed or not. I guess, but yeah. yeah, that'll be an interesting thing to see what happens in season two, because she's a superhero in quotes, because I don't know that she necessarily is, you know, a Captain America type superhero, well, we'll, we'll but see she's her definitely... in defenders though. And defenders yeah. is meant to be more. Uh, what'll be interesting about defenders is taking all of these characters who are not typical superhero characters. Mm hmm. And putting them on a team together of some sort, which will end up being not a typical superhero team, which right. probably now you know that I say it this way makes sense for why the Defenders team name would be a good team name to use because the Defenders were never a typical superhero group. It was always, you know, Hulk, Silver Surfer, Doctor Strange. And they all team up because they have to, and there's convenience, but they never had a defender's charter like the Avengers did. 
uh, until later on when when it became more of a traditional team when you had a couple members of the X-Men join up and Gargoyle and and some stuff like that. But having them come together to fight a common enemy, I, I have a feeling it's going to be more of a, a matter of convenience and necessity for them. A, a, con- a common enemy in the form of Sigourney Weaver. Let's not forget about that. And the Black Hole Sun or whatever it was. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be so, oh man. It wasn't I, Black Hole Sun, but what was it? Because Black Hole Sun, that was that song. From Soundgarden, yeah. It's, yeah. Isn't it Black Sun? I think it was Black Sun, yeah. Yeah. Black it, Hole that's going to be an interesting thing to see how Defenders, or how Jessica Jones works with um, uh, Luke Cage and works with um, Iron Fist. Murdoch. Yeah. Iron Fist. I mean, any of those guys, because they're all sort of, and let's be honest, it's going to be interesting to see how all four of them work together because at least three of them are pretty much loners. Yeah. Yeah. So night nurse will be the tie that binds, but she won't actually be in this. It'll be Claire. Well, but she's night nurse. I know this is, I know when I look at the MCU, Claire is night nurse. I don't care about that. Rachel lady or whatever she is from, Doctor Strange, who wasn't a nurse, she was a doctor. Exactly, she What's can't be night nurse. She's night surgeon. Can't. can't night surgeon. So, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> Claire Templeton is is night nurse. Yes, yes, very much so. I don't care what you say. <laughs> Not you, Ben. Yeah, because I'm saying the exact same thing. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, well, any other thoughts here? Um. And then we can probably need to wrap this up, but uh, no, um, I really liked, I really liked the Jessica Jones, um, series. It was not easy, easy to watch. Um, it is not easy to watch. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. I, but I did think it was very, um, interesting storytelling, uh, a new take on this sort of superhero, dramedy that we've kind of seen, you know, with Daredevil and Captain America and Iron Man and Guardians of the Galaxy. This is a different way to tell those stories. Um, I'm interested to see where it goes in season two. Uh, I think the character of Jessica Jones is, is a flawed character, probably one of the most flawed characters um, who needs a little bit of redemption. And it'll be interesting to see, what that redemption looks like and how yeah. it, how it plays itself out. Yeah. All right. There's my final words. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, my final words, Stuart are mm-hmm. first of all, everyone who's <laughs> listening, thank you for listening. And thank you for waiting the, the year that it took. Uh, <laughs> thank you for your patience. And I cannot promise that it won't be another year for uh, Daredevil and Luke Cage. We'll see what happens, but we will do our best. And that's all we can do. That's what my dad well, also used to say. The, as one of those listeners who waited a year, I'm so glad that, that I was able to be involved in, in bringing it back a year later. So so that's that's one final word. But my other final wait, wait, <laughs> wait. Someone's at the door, Stuart. Do you hear that? 
the knocking. I do hear the knocking at the door. There, okay, there. I, there's some knocking. All right, good. good. Well, who could it be? Oh, look, Stuart. You know who it is? No. It's Patsy. Patsy. I really want to be your friend. Hope this day will never end. It's Patsy. Patsy. I really want to be a friend with you. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 177-55-LEVEL-7. You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is I Knew a Guy and On the Ground by Kevin McLeod at IncomTech.com, licensed under the Creative Commons license. Daniel has um, he he's got a name for what you just did right there, and, and you're in your current state of being. Well, well, and, and I won't do the disservice of, of repeating it, but I'm sure longtime listeners will know exactly <laughs> what Daniel would call you at this moment. They're probably they're probably right. He 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 probably would. Yeah, you probably would. All right. <laughs> That that was that was the most fantastic thing I've ever heard. <laughs> had to happen. It all had to. Had to. Had to. I, I I invoked the Miley Cyrus Hannah Montana. You, you sang the song at the end. It's, it's genius. <laughs> this is going down in podcast history. Well, at least it's going down in Welcome to Level Seven history. That's something. That <laughs> there happened. you go. It is something that happened. So. All right. Thanks, Stuart. Thank you.